0: Okay, welcome to another episode of Outside Our Walls, this podcast of Anchor Church Gilbert. Um, we exist in this podcast realm, um, not because we're trying to get famous at all, not because we're trying to do anything like that. We we at Anchor Church, uh, maybe you're listening for the first time, we, we want to make sure that we're not uh, caught in a... A bubble of our own wisdom. We, we like to actually look outside of the walls of our church because we recognize there's a lot of wisdom out there in evangelicalism. There's a lot of wisdom out there to be had, to, to grasp, to understand. And quite frankly, some of it are things that we don't, um, we might not otherwise know, or there's experts in other fields that we don't know. I don't even, sometimes we might even get things on here that we uh, that might just challenge us and push us because maybe we've never thought about it. We might actually initially disagree with it. Not from today's guest. Today's guest is uh, Vicky. Vicky, your your last name is pronounced Demert. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I DMert. think I've
0: said it probably s- maybe seven different ways. So <laughs> make sure I get it get it right, um, Vicky Demert. And this is Vicky. You're actually this is your second time with us because I I think we had you as a guest maybe smack in the middle of the pandemic like three maybe three months ago and so this is your second time on our podcast have you have you we love to have you as a guest here
1: thank you i'm assuming
0: that you're not exclusive though to our podcast have you been a guest on other podcasts as well or is it just
1: yeah funny you should mention yeah funny you should mention that i actually do get to to be a guest i've been a guest on this other podcast called talking to humans that that redemption church gateway does and so yes i i get to make my round as, as a pod cast guest
0: that's fun (laughs) that's like you're at this point you're a professional podcast guest that's what you do (laughs) part of your existence is professional podcast guest guesting So (laughs) that's good so give us the name of that one more time it's it's talking to humans
1: talking to humans okay redemption
0: gateway we love redemption gateway um luke luke did a before we planted luke did a kind of a training for us or at least to talk talk with us that we st- I mean I still use stuff from that so um just love the fact that you're there that you're serving there Vicky. if you don't know Vicky is a um you're the you're the what's your official title director of
1: yeah, counseling director mm-hmm.
0: yep director of counseling at Redemption Gateway and um and we've known you know I we've known each other for a few years now I think and um gone back and forth had good conversations encouraged one another um from you know from Aaron and Tyler and, and myself just being able to benefit from your wisdom and things like that. And people in the church, if you're part of Anchor Church, you've benefited from Vicky's wisdom, though you don't know it, I'm sure because so much of how we view counseling and how we view trying to think through counseling comes from conversations with, with uh, a few people, but Vicky would be one of the, one of the main ones. So though you, maybe you've never met Vicky or you, you wouldn't know that you do know that I'm actually right now, if you're, if you're watching this, I, we, we, may, we may or may not put this on YouTube only because um, I mean, we're doing house projects and Vicki, you can see, we, I'm in the, my son's room. I have stuffed animals behind me. I think that there's like, I don't know, Sim, Simba maybe? Simba's behind me there. So, um, but we're, we're trying to make do, you know, it's like, it's a weird spot when you don't have an office, you're officing from home and, and it is what it is, but grateful to have you. Thanks for jumping on again.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: I thought what we would do today is um, talk a little bit about just some some things that I think maybe we oversimplify that might be a good word, way to say it. We oversimplify in the Christian world, especially when it comes to helping others, um, when it comes to being wronged or wronging others or how to you know how to process through things like abuse hurt. Uh, pain, especially when it comes from Christian to Christian, person to person, um, and I and I, you know, I think we've had some of these conversations in the past, and I thought it would be helpful to bring in the church to some of these conversations because I don't know if you know this, Vicky. You you may or may not know this, but the church can be a messy place. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you are you aware of that or is that yeah, a
1: little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of observed that a tiny bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The church can be a place <laughs> where there is there is opportunities. Yes. to be, to be hurt and actually opportunities to hurt others. And I think how we live that out sometimes in the weeks after months after can actually either be healing or uh, more, more hurtful. And so, and part of that I think comes from oversimplifying or, or, or even super spiritualizing certain things. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. And I would, I would say, I usually the conversation comes back to intentions because like, people are genuinely, truly trying to help, and they genuinely do care, and they genuinely know that the gospel has something to do with this and speaks into yeah. it. And so it's coming from this, the, this place, but sometimes the, how we actually do it and the, the, how that plays out ends up not being helpful or yeah. actually hurtful. And so kind of just affirming that, that yeah, we can have good intentions and, and be wanting to help in that they actually end up doing the
0: opposite. Yeah, I agree. I, thanks for mentioning that. Cause I think that, that is true. I think I think a lot of people try to f- find, or maybe, maybe they've heard helpful things, helpful yeah. phrases, helpful, you know, something. We were just joking before you got on here, like, you know, someone's someone's expressing um, pain over something.
1: yeah.
0: And we, we can throw out, you know, well, you know, God works all things for good. Um, which, which is true. I mean, that is true as biblical concept when someone's in the midst of, of grief and lament, it, it may not be the most helpful, helpful thing to say. So, um, we're not going to talk about that, but if you listen to, um, talking with humans, I think you guys are actually doing, you're actually guys talking about that
1: in yeah, a series, yeah. correct? Discouraging encouragement is, is the name yeah, of the discouraging
0: word. encouragement, which is, which I think is good. Um, so the first one, I think um, that I just thought we could talk about a little bit in dialogue with is the idea of um, forgiveness, extending it, um, hearing somebody ask for it, how we respond to it. Um, you know, in sometimes our responses aren't great when someone says we've hurt them or things like that. And I actually had this, you know, Duke Quan, who's a... Um, He just put this on, I think he's a, I think he's a pastor in the, on the East, on the East coast. He said how to apologize. Um, And he gave these bullet points. He said, express sorrow would be one. So I'm sorry. Own guilt, meaning I was wrong. Name specific wrongs. So I did X. Name the impact. I hurt you. Don't include ifs. So don't say things like, sorry, if I. Uh, don't blame, shift or defend, but you don't do that. Um, no passive voice. Sorry that you were offended. Um, and then make amends. What can I do? Which I think are really helpful. it's a really helpful category. Don't, don't you find that for when we, a lot of times forgiveness is almost like a, what would we call it? It's like a, um, it's like a, almost a like a blame shifting, like, Oh, well, if you took what I said that way, I'm sorry that you did that, um, yeah. which is actually putting it on the other person, you know. So we can we can think about forgiveness, but what is forgiveness and what isn't forgiveness? And maybe any just any thoughts on what what Duke what Duke Quan here said too? I'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I think what if we couldn't say the word forgive? What would we say instead? And I think even forgiveness, this foundational thing of, of our faith, is gets used flippantly or we, we, yeah, oversimplify it. Like if you just forgive, you won't be dead, you won't be, right, like it, it becomes, it, it's not as uh, simple as that. Um, but if we couldn't say the word forgive, what would we say instead? Um, yeah, will you, will you absorb the cost of uh, my debt and not ask me to, to repay you for, the harm that I've mm. caused, or, right? Like, that actually kind of changes the, mm. like, what am I actually asking?
0: Yeah. Um, what, and, what are people asking sometimes?
1: I how function gets used is, um, I want it to be done. Like, I just, let, let's move on. And the functionally gets used as sweeping something under the rug. And, and it actually gets functionally, like, accusation, like, you didn't forgive, you need to forgive, you just need to, um, and so there's this this functional, like, that's kind of the, the placing the responsibility of my behavior on you uh, now I hurt you, but now you need to do this, and I think that actually shows we don't understand we don't understand forgiveness like we're, we feel like we're entitled to it, and because I feel entitled to it, now I can accuse you of not of not releasing me of a debt like we would never do that with a bank like like mm-hmm. if I took or if I borrowed money from you or from the bank and couldn't pay it back like I've been going be like you need to to forgive me of the debt, you need to like not ask me to
0: pay it back. And now <laughs> yeah. you're
1: guilty because you didn't, you're asking me to pay it back. Like, yeah. like we just wouldn't do that, but we'll do that to other people.
0: Mm. And there's um, almost like a, because there's a social contract. Well, there's a biblical contract and a human mm-hmm. to human contract where we understand wrongs and sin and offenses. Yeah. And, and yeah, to, to expect, I mean, even to the point of something that you just said where we can, we can even think about it from the standpoint of um, I'm owed something. I'm fine to forgive you, but like that, but is what is what causes us to have issues. Like I'm, Hey, I'm okay to forgive you, but you also must do X, Y, and Z.
1: It's
0: like a fairness. Like, what is that?
1: It becomes a transactional thing, right? Like I'm going to either one, say so you have to forgive me because I'm entitled to it or like, okay, fine. I will forgive you, but now you have to do this. And, um, yeah, I think, I think fairness and I think it's because I don't want to be the only one guilty. Right. right. Like I want to make sure that like my, my side is also uh, validated, acknowledged. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. 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 Like what, <laughs> i don't I don't want to be the lone person standing up here that everybody's shooting at yeah. so let's bring somebody else up here so they can get shot too yeah. like let's make sure somebody else
1: too.
0: yeah yeah yeah, let's just make sure that it works is like a equal opportunity I don't want to be which is human <laughs> nature I mean that's like yeah. that's like yeah. it's, it's sin at work isn't it it's a it's a yeah. pride um selfishness like let's make sure we get this um yeah. what what's what would be an example let's say you have a like a a mother-daughter relationship, for example, or father, son, it doesn't matter, like ch- parent to child. And, um, you know, the the mom gets really angry. I'm sure this never happens. Um, but the mom gets really <laughs> <laughs> never, but the mom gets really angry, um, at the child for something, or the dad gets really angry. Um, you go to that, you go to your son or daughter. What's that? I mean, how do you should we think of that from a forgiveness yeah. standpoint?
1: Yeah. This is, this is some, the default, the sinful default would be like, you, you made me mad, but like we'll put the responsibility of my, my anger and my emotions. on the other person around the child. Like if you didn't do that, um, I wouldn't be mad. So you're the cause of my anger versus being like, this is what came out of me. Um, and it's, it's, it actually is super hard and humbling to say what came out of me was not loving nor kind, and it was hurtful to you. And so, kind of going back to the the points that um, your friend made, you know, that that is actually super duper hard to do. Um, like we can all be like, yes, that, that's good, but actually doing it and saying, I I chose to um, yell, and and you were scared when I yelled. You didn't know what was going to happen, and. You um, didn't feel heard. Um, and I'm very sorry about that. And will you forgive me? Will you not hold it against me? Yeah. Will you absorb the cost and not hold it against me? And I am going to try to, um, I don't want to be like that. And I don't want you to be afraid of me. And it's my responsibility to, to bring that. But it shows me my, my need for, for Jesus is laid before me and you. And I need Jesus and I, and I need him to transform me. I need the spirit to transform me so that um, the, the condition of my heart is, is um, sick. And so I want to work to change and not respond and s- express my anger in sinful ways like that. And I'm going to take ownership of that. That's not your responsibility.
0: Yeah. Because we always want to say, I mean, even as you're talking about being hard to do, our first inclination is to justify, right? Mm-hmm. Is to say, well, okay. And, and you know what, in some ways, I mean, in some ways we all get that, right? If somebody, um, you're trying to talk and somebody keeps interrupting you, your anger yeah. level is going to continue to get up to the point where you're like, ah, oh, you might yell and get frustrated or hit your, you know, slam your hand on the table or something like that please you know let me to come back and ask forgiveness it almost feels like well the right thing to do is to say hey if you hadn't been interrupting me I would not have gotten angry like that yeah. right so it's to actually blame shift that which again like I think from a human interaction standpoint that is actually true probably from the standpoint yes. of look yeah. there's a cause and effect however yeah. what I'm taking responsibility for is not what that person did I can't control yeah. what that person did I control what, yeah. what I did yeah,
1: um, my my response isn't dependent on on um, you, what you do.
0: Yeah, so let's take let's take a couple of these that he he mentions as being things not to do. So that idea of like sorry if I that phrase, yeah. hey sorry yeah. if I that if is a <laughs> that if is a like conditional clause. Hey, yeah. it's almost like I actually don't think I did that, but if yeah. I did it,
1: if I did, and the person actually said you did. Well, if I did, like I'm putting, like, there's a question mark. I don't know that it
0: actually happened. Yeah.
1: If it happens. Um, and they're like, it did happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. And you might not remember it. This is where I think, this is where I think too, we can, we can, we're the, I mean, we try to put everything in our best, you know, we win every argument that's in our own minds. Um, mm-hmm. Because we're going to mm-hmm. look the best to our, to ourselves. We, I think a lot of times we just make ourselves look really good. Um so if somebody came, if somebody comes to you, Vicki, and says, you really hurt me when you said this to me and you don't remember it, like you're like, yeah. I, don't, I don't really remember saying, saying that. How would you respond to that? If someone said there was, you know, we were at coffee, you said this to me and it actually really hurt me. Um, I want to let you know that. What would be an appropriate response so that you don't get the sorry if I answer? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think, tell me more. I want, I want to hear more. What was it about, about that? And, this, and here, here's the thing. I am actually free to be wrong because, because of Jesus. Like, Jesus is my defender and justifier, so I don't need to defend and justify myself. I, I can be wrong, and I have the freedom to enter into that perspective. And I can agree with their experience, um, even if I disagree with their conclusion, um, and I don't have to make my conclusion known right? But that's this this dying to self. But yeah, like, tell me more. I I want to hear. So that doesn't really hurt you. But this is the battle within. It's being like, I didn't say it. Or I didn't mean it. Like, I know I said, but this was my intention. And and so it's not that we don't ever get to voice that. But I think, wow, so the way you heard that was, um, however, I am really sorry. Like, I'm sorry because, and I and I probably even could say that wasn't my intention, but that's not what happened. So whether it was my intention or not, you were hurt, and and I don't want to hurt you. And so thank you for thank you for trusting me to to come and tell me. That actually means a lot to me that you wouldn't hold on to this, that you would you would trust me enough to come and, and let me know instead of letting letting it build. That's a grace and a mercy to me. And so thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, what a and that is such an amazing. I mean, one thing that's just lingering, one thing, something you just said, even as you get to that, the gospel allows us to be wrong. The gospel's okay. It allows us to experience and and hear about and think about our own um, sinfulness or how we hurt yes. others. It to, to actually accept that is like, I did that. You yeah. know, I mean, we don't want to be like that, but I did that. Talk to me about that a little bit more because I think that's exactly right. The gospel actually frees us to see those things and accept them and recognize, oh yeah, I, I likely did that. Why does the gospel talk about that? Why does the gospel yeah, free us that like,
1: way? Like he, and that, that's why Jesus came. That's why he, he died. Because we are sinners. Like it's, that's the condition of my heart. Um, I am left to my left to myself. I am going to hurt other people. I am going to misunderstand. I am going to, um, and so when I have to defend myself, I actually don't need Jesus. I, I just need, there's all these reasons that justify me. And, and so if I'm defending myself, then, then his death on the cross is not relevant to my life. Um, but, but if, and it is true, he, he died and my sins are paid for, what, what glory does it give him? It gives him glory when I say, I am, I am needy my need is laid out before me and others in very specific ways. I,
0: yeah.
1: I speak, I speak flippantly in ways that hurt and offend people. Um, I minimize other people's pain. I build myself up and, and minimize you in the process. Um, and so it's the condition of my heart. And sometimes I think we can, ch- we want, we want to change the outward behavior um, and be like, Oh, we're okay. Cause like now I don't do that anymore yeah. versus being yeah. like, I can change the outward can, I can change the outward behavior, but that doesn't that doesn't fix the condition in my heart. Like I have to I right. am the problem is within me. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah.
1: And so right. I can't be the solution to the problem. I need and so it constantly is driving us to the cross. Every mm. day. Oh, I need Jesus yeah and and, but here's the thing is he doesn't just forgive he also transforms like he's making us more and more and more into the image of christ and so it's not like he's like okay i just forgive you and that's the end that's only half the story he's transforming us also and that's a great promise like i'm gonna make you not just be not angry but you're gonna become a person of of peace right more and more of the fruit of the spirit will flow out of you um and So and so there's this Trajectory that we get to, to live under. But I, I, if I'm not going to confront something, it's not going to be, if I'm not going to look at things in reality, um, he's not going to force us. He's always inviting us, but he doesn't force us to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's really helpful. Um, that's good. I think it plays into the next one too, which is, um, I'll do one more of these, but, sorry if, sorry if what I said offended you, Um, which may be the the best um, forgiveness juke that we all are tempted (laughs) to do. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you were offended by what I said or something like that, you know, it it really places the ownership of it on the other person. Um, Hey, if you're, if you're, I mean, it comes across this way. I know this is not the intention typically, but Hey, if you're weak enough to take it that way, that's up to you. That's on you. You yeah. know, like, but I mean, I guess I'll own it. Like if if yeah. you can't handle what I if you yeah. can't handle true things, um, yeah. or if you can't handle um me, that's fine. It, yeah. it it just takes it takes all of if somebody's coming to you, Vicky, if I'm coming to you with hurt, you know, from something that you've said to me, there's a vulnerability for me to even come and talk yes. to you about it. Yes, And when you take that and you actually throw it back upon me, yes. yeah. it, it's hurtful. Yeah. Because um, what,
1: what you're saying, when you come, like if you came to me, you're saying, I can be affected by the things that you say and do. Like, right there's this vulnerability and this power, like I have the ability. And then if I, I minimize that and be like, well, if I said that, or you just misunderstood versus me being like, well, maybe I didn't speak. I, I didn't speak clearly. I need to own that that The way I said it or how I said it I, I said it in such a way that um, wasn't helpful hmm. and there is even though it sounds hard there is freedom to be like instead of if i de- if I offended you to say, Did I offend you how what was what was it about that that was offensive
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah right like it's, it, it becomes a, I, I can come underneath i can I can come underneath and um
0: talk to me about that pa- we've used the phrase and now we've talked about this but the difference between power over and power under
1: yeah
0: what t- talk to me about that because i think that plays into this kind of thing like how do i allow somebody else to be in an image bearer of the living god to be valued yeah bringing an offense you know you could do that in a power over way
1: yeah. or a
0: power under way. talk to me about that really fast
1: yeah yeah i c- i can say you're Really, your experience doesn't matter. I'm going to use my power, my position, my authority um, over you and meaning I'm going to determine and decide um, what is right and wrong and how you're seeing it or not seeing it. Versus power under would be like, I, I actually don't understand that um, I could be wrong and I want to learn from you because what you have to say is valuable. It's, it's needed for for my growth, my sanctification, and um, for the kingdom to go forward, we need a variety of voices. And so, I, I'm going to use my my platform or whatever to to make sure your voice, perspective, experience gets heard, considered, engaged with, versus silencing it. And that's what those the like the if statement says that I'm really going to silence your voice, and that's, yeah. that's power under instead of or power over instead of coming under to, to be like even if your voice is revealing something about my heart. Yeah. Like, like, like what that's hard. Like, I don't want to I, I don't want
0: that. Yeah. You're giving somebody's voice power to correct. Yeah. To, to, and, and that's really hard to do, but it's so important for a healthy Christian life. I mean, it's so important to be a healthy Christian in marriage, in friendship, in parenting, um, as, a, as, a, as a teen, as a teen. Um, to your friends, to your parents, to, uh, I think it, I'm more convinced, Vicky. and I don't know how, what you think about this, this is totally off topic. This, this is what happens when we talk, um, but totally off topic. But I'm more convinced that the doctrine of the Imago Dei, so the yeah. image, image of God, it is one of the most important doctrines for us to fully grasp and understand if we are going to actually treat people the way Jesus calls us to like that, that idea of when, when, when the, when the scribes come to Jesus and say, Hey, what are the, what are the commandments of the greatest ones? Right. And he says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Both of those, both of those issues, those laws, um, the categories Jesus gives, are rooted in the Imago Dei. It's the, it's the I love yes. the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength because he made yes. me to, in his image and I'm his. And I, I love my neighbor as myself, as an image bearer because I want, yes. I want his image to be lifted up and born. So that, that deals yes. with abortion. As we think about, yes. about from the womb to the tomb, abortion, um, racism, um, yes. euthanasia, Uh, feeding the poor, Mm -hmm. being marginalized, power under, not power over, abuse. I mean, all of that stuff, lying to one another, forgiving each other, all that stuff. It comes really from a root of understanding and living out the realities of the Imago Dei.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's transforming us and we see him more when we see Jesus and how he interacted with others. Like the kingdom is being lived out in front of us um, when we, look at scripture and look at how Jesus interacted with people. And I'm thinking of Philippians too, how, how, have the mind of Christ. And what, what did he do? He, he left heaven, came down to be a servant, right? To, to come underneath. And then he said, have the mind of Christ, consider others better than yourselves. And so we get to go and, and, you know, I think about taking dominion. It's not so much I have control, but that he's, he, he's in me and through me. And so I get to um, live out his image and be a transformed and transforming presence with whoever I'm interacting with, I get to, um, show the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of that. Um, I get to value, um, and see and seek out the, the image in other people yeah. um, and be blessed by, by that reflection to me.
0: Yeah, man, that's good. I, I think that's good. I think that deals with, I mean, the forgiveness is, yeah, that's, so, that's really helpful. One more category on forgiveness. Um, we've talked about this a little bit and I, this is, I don't even know how to necessarily phrase this question, but I think it's so incredibly important. I think we'll get there. (laughs) We'll, we'll get there eventually and it'll be clear when somebody doesn't ask forgiveness, when they don't, they don't recognize the harmful effects of their words, their actions. So it could be an, let's just call it like an abusive marriage. Um, when somebody doesn't recognize that the, the, the one that is the victim um, or survivor of the abuse, mm-hmm. there is a call in, in one sense to forgive as Jesus has forgiven, but in the other sense, and that's true, like full stop, like we are called to, yes. we, are, we are called to in our hearts, not grow in bitterness. Like there's sin categories that can creep in. We're called to not allow that to happen. But at the same time, There is something about, can I truly forgive somebody if they have not asked for forgiveness? So like, is there a difference between my heart attitude towards you, not being bitter, not growing in anger, um, I shouldn't say anger, not growing in wrathful, vindictive anger, but trying to take on the heart of Christ in that, um, with my hurt and my pain and all of those things. And yet also having a functional, proper understanding of forgiveness and justice and how they play into itself and how it plays off of each other. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Any, any thoughts you have? Because I think justice and forgiveness go together. Yes. Um, you know, for, ju- for forgiveness to fully be extended in, a, in an actual, like actualized, we can be reconciled together um, you know, we can, we're not at enmity or something like that. I can't, whatever. Does that make sense? I know that that sounds convoluted, but I hope it makes sense to you. And I hope it makes sense to people that are listening. Cause I want to (laughs) make sure we get, and if you can clarify anything, I just said to make it more clear. I would love for you to do that.
1: I think so. I I think, yeah, there's, there's just a lot to unpack there. And I think one, one thing is, um, I think the fear, especially in something like abuse is if I forgive, um, somehow I'm going to become a doormat. And so, but we have the whole, like, okay, just forgive, and then the, the person keeps sinning against you and hurting you, and okay, I'm just called to keep forgiving, and I become a doormat. But we have passages, it's the whole of scripture, so we have something like Matthew 18, where if your brother sins against you, go, um, go to them, now bring somebody else, right? And so, um, and, you know, I think it's in Luke, it says, um, if he repents, forgive him, like, yeah, yeah. Luke 17 um, if your brother sins against, or sins against you, rebuke him, and if they meant for them, you know, and so, um, but yes, we still want to have this, this forgiving heart and, and, and attitude, um, and if somebody isn't repentant, um, like, like we, the call is isn't necessarily to just stay there and, and keep getting bulldozed over. Um, love might look like space. Love might look like boundaries. Like love does also confront. Um, I even think about like in the garden, one of the, when Adam and Eve ate of the, the fruit from the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, they had to leave the garden. And so one thing God did was create space. Um, and for the purpose, you know, the end game is that he will dwell with us for the purpose of reconciliation, like revelation where believers will, we will dwell with him, but, but there's, there's a purpose for the space. Um, and so sometimes space is what is what is needed. And I can forgive you and there's still consequences. So yeah. I can forgive you and our relationship doesn't look the same. Um, yeah. It doesn't equal that, that I'm, the pain is gone. It doesn't equal that trust has been rebuilt. It doesn't equal um, that, right? So something still might yeah. be different. And I think sometimes that, that's hard with forgiveness because we think, okay, you forgave me. All is well, it goes back to normal. Um, sometimes it's like, but a person's not repentant, I can I can forgive you and um, create space.
0: Yeah. It's it's you know, Jesus telling the disciples, um, you know, be be innocent as doves and wise yeah. as serpents. Like be be smart. Um, so if somebody is if somebody is is a chronic like if somebody, let's just say somebody uses me um, for their own benefit, they're, you know, they're, maybe there's somebody who's coming, you know, they're, 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 they've befriended me, but it's only to step on me to get h- higher, which happens yeah. all the time, right? It's just, it's, you're using your friendships. Um, I might go to that person and say, listen, that was really hurtful. They might say, hey, I recognize that. Um, forgive me for that. I, I did not want to do that. Great. I, you know, thank you. And then they do it again and you might go to them and say, this is what the old adage is, you know, sh- fool me, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice yeah. you know, or whatever. No, it's the flip yeah. side, whatever it is. Shame on you, shame on me. Um, but, but it's, I think there's a, there's a reality there where we think, you know, I can forgive you
1: yeah.
0: um, in my heart. I, I can say um, I don't hold you, but Jesus forgave me, I want to make sure I'm forgiving you. Um, but I'm never really going to be friends with you again. Um, I, I just don't like, there's just too much, you know, from a, we'll be cordial, but we just need, I need some distance, some space, what you just said. I just need to recognize this is not a healthy relationship for me and, um, for right now, at least, and I need to to give some space.
1: Yeah, I think that's, um, that, that's right. There, there are, there are just consequences. And I think like, even if we take it to money, like if you borrow money from me, and you didn't pay me back. And I was like, you know, the contract was, you're gonna pay me back, but you didn't, like, I can't, I'd be like, like, I forgive you. Like, you don't have to pay that debt back. But that also doesn't mean the next time you come and ask me for money, that I you have money. to pay, I'm gonna yeah. give you more. Right, right. like, like yeah. that's, that would actually, now, now, like, there's a little bit, there could be foolishness in that. Um, and that doesn't mean I didn't forgive the first debt. Like, I really did truly forgive the first debt. Like, I'm not going to ask you to repay. But that doesn't equal, like, wisdom I' just be like, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to be a steward of my, of my money. I'll be, I'm going to be a steward of my time. I'm going to be a steward of, of myself. And um, I actually don't know that it would be loving to continue to give you money <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and continue to let you... Uh, Right? Like, there's just wisdom there. And I think we can transfer some of those principles to relationships. Yeah, that's good. Um, No, there's true repentance in the the person. Like, I I think forgiveness does allow space to to be like, is the person really, like, I am seeing change. Like, I am, right? And we can slowly work back towards reconciliation. But sometimes maybe in an abusive relationship, there's just so much pain that has actually happened that, and you think about trauma and trauma responses that it just, I, the person can forgive and it just won't on the side of heaven be, be a, a safe place for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's good. I think it's good to recognize that.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't mean they don't forgive.
0: No, it's true. And, and also it's what's so sweet about, um, there's, well there's nothing more there's nothing more godly or less godly about being in either situation if you're yeah. if you're a victim of abuse um in a marriage and you choose to stay with somebody um that's a that's a miracle of god's amazing grace and kindness and God can use that work in that change you know um continue to work for change especially when the other person when the when the when the abuser is maybe has just had a radical heart change, not perfection because nobody's perfect. You know, there's still going to be sin tendencies in all of our hearts. You just get to a spot where you can more healthily, especially in like things like emotional abuse, like someone that doesn't, where you can more healthily work through issues like a normal couple would, where you, you know, lack of communication, you know, sin, whatever, but you, you, you're able to work through it in a healthy way. Um, I think we can think that's more godly than somebody that says, I just, I just can't, or yeah. like one person's stronger than the other, yeah. or it's more preferable. Jesus is more pleased with yeah. the person that stays. And I, I just think that that's not right. There's, there's grace in both relationships when it comes to a, an issue of, of, of marriage. Same thing of somebody that, that has an adulterous affair. You know, there, there's somebody that might commit adultery in a marriage and the married couple The the spouse that was, um, you know, was uh, a victim of that, I guess, or however you, I don't know how we would call that, but, you know, that was, that's on the outside, (laughs) that's been offended, might say, I want to, I'm going to stick together. I want to stay this. Another one might say, I can't. And one's not more godly than the other one, correct?
1: That's right. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think. Yeah. And I think we, we too quickly judge that. And and somehow we've decided that this is, this is more godly. And all that does is that just brings shame unnecessarily like shame. on, like, I I chose the less godly route when, um, when in reality what God is doing is he's, he's still rescued both people. One rescue looked like maybe a a changed heart or a spouse. And one looked like "I'm, I'm taking you out of, um, an unhealthy situation and sometimes I think we elevate marriage above the act, the people in the marriage and so it's actually a shallow it could be a shallow win like okay the person doesn't they, they stay and and like okay they stayed married but the, but uh they become less and less of a person they become more and more dehumanized and they just become a shell of a person so essentially it's um it's Dad, what speak to them as you're not important. You're not valued. Um, but they say married, and so we'll be like, when when the, if the marriage itself isn't isn't representing or reflecting God and His character. If marriage is a reflection of, of God and Christ in the church, that's not
0: how is that? Yeah, God, yeah. Know, if, how is
1: that honoring God? That's not reflecting God at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think that that's where. You know, we we all I think we all understand this. That listen to this, but you know, there's there's reasons for divorce that God gives, yeah. um, and in those there are sweet stories of re- reconciliation. There are sweet stories of separation that lead to um, a break and a divorce in the marriage. Um, but God is God is at work in both of those, and He's doing things in both of those to redeem, to change, to sanctify to give him, you know, glorify his name. And all of that is, um, we just can't, we just can't see one as different than the other one, you know, yeah. I think that's, that's helpful. Okay. Taking it took way too long on that. So we're going to, I mean, let me just, let me just hit one more category here. Um, and that's the category of anger. And we've talked about this a little bit, um, even in the, even as we're talking about forgiveness, mm-hmm. I remember one time you mentioned something, um, where there was, you know, like that idea of, um in a in a when someone's wronged like grievously wronged again like if you think of abuse or something like that and um the the temptation i think in christian circles can be especially people that have grown up in the church or had teaching and training on the sovereignty of god or you know something like that we can think i'm angry and then automatically think uh i shouldn't be angry that's not right um from a biblical perspective, you know I need to not be angry because that's a sin, and yeah. so we can, we have this inner dialogue and this inner turmoil. Um, I remember something you said one time was actually when you think about how re, how you people have been wronged in an abusive marriage, or again, like we're talking about marriage particular here, but um, or adultery or something like that. Anger is actually kind of an appropriate emotion. I mean, that's an appropriate response. It's because of injustice, because of of, um, being sinned against, even just the evil of the sin itself. Like anger, that is not necessarily, sometimes it is when it leads to bitterness and retribution and all of those roads of, you know, you read the Canta Monte Cristo, which is my favorite book of all time, but it's dealing with revenge. Like the idea of revenge, I got to get back at everybody. That that yeah. clearly crosses a line, but the idea of of anger, like I'm actually angry right now yeah. that that you've done this to me. Yeah, that's that that's not always sinful, is it?
1: Right. Yeah. God is angry at injustice, and so sometimes, like if I can't be angry, it's, talking about the being an image bearer, um, our anger at injustice is is reflecting the character of God. Thank you. I'm thankful that we have a God that is against. Injustices he is a just and perfect God, um, and so part of that is anger and injustice and and so often I think we can start evaluating the emotion, like anger in itself is bad that we there, there, there is something that is appropriate, so I try to not be affected in the appropriate way, and I think that's bad um, versus being like, what is this actually revealing? what is this about um, Why is
0: it, and why is it that that's so much of our first response sometimes? And and again, maybe there's a really good heart check there. Maybe it's a good heart check response, but it can also, I think it can also lead us to not process um, hurt properly. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if I, if you just have to, this is what we'll do is we'll be like, faith looks like not being affected, not being angry and, I, I just don't think that's true at all. Like being, I can be angry. Like, no, I don't, I don't want to express my anger sinfully. Like it's, you know, to go slander somebody or hurt somebody or whatever. Like that's not helpful. Like, yeah, it, we're probably pretty quick to, to tip over to, to sinful. But that's not to say that there's not righteous indignation, like righteous anger at, at oppression or abuse or mistreatment or like, lying. You know, the, the other day, my daughter was, um, she had dropped her wallet um, in the parking lot, and realized it, and turned around, and somebody had um, stopped their car, picked up the wallet, and she said, oh, that's my wallet, and he looked at her, got in his car, and drove away, wow. and, and really? so there's this, like, experienced evil, like, there's this intentional, like, righteous indignation that that was not okay, and, and um, but but sometimes I, I think we become like the, the judges of the emotion versus what is the injustice that happened. With, with any emotion, especially like since we're talking about anger, something that we love or value is in play, um, and so with anger, there's, there's an injustice to it or something is being withheld, um, and what's being withheld could be good or bad, but um I think that's the deeper conversation and and helping somebody process their anger versus just don't be affected
0: yeah like, I can't just yeah. turn that
1: off like okay well now I'm just not my now somehow my faith is being indicted
0: <laughs> yeah right right yeah oh yeah, like, like,
1: well, yeah.
0: We're, we're emotional we're God made us emotional people as part of it's yeah. part of why why we are image bearers of of his like we we reflect. Emotions and oh. um, we speak and we communicate, you know, through words and all of these things. Like, God made us that way. Yeah. And that can be, and that can, and, and sin, when it came into the world, flipped it so that it can actually be, uh, you know, um, is retributive a word? Retro, retri- will be the word? What would be that word? <laughs> can be like find retribution or something like that. We, we harm each other with our emotions or we try to be, but, but we can also have emotions be, I mean, it's part of the sweetness of what we are, it's, it's why we have hurt. And, um, you know, that's part of our image bearness. you know, dealing with those things emotionally. So that's good. Um, Speaking of hurt, um, how should we view trauma as Christians? Like, how should we think through that? Because when we think about, we're just talking about abuse, anger, forgiveness, all of that, when it gets deep enough and hurtful enough and um, painful enough, there can be responses that are traumatic, like they can be traumatic, right? Traumatic things. There you're talking about, uh, like definitely about abuse and things like that. You have trauma responses. I think sometimes in Christi- Christi- Christendom, we can say, oh, trauma is not a thing. Like God's, you know, um, you have everything you need for life and godliness in the scriptures. So just yeah. go to it and it's good. And yeah. we kind of ignore the fact that, well, our brains are organs that we don't understand. And there's lots of things that happen there chemically um, that, you know, wires can get crossed because of how you've been treated and things like that. I think that's been pretty well proven over psychological.
1: Yes study
0: yeah. um how should we think about trauma as christians
1: yeah i think defining it um you know it's this disturb it's an experience there's this disturbing experience this this um exp- something has happened that has has caused great pain or fear it, it could even be a, a car accident right and and so now um there's this physiological experience and we're we're embodied souls and so our our body experiences something. So let's say let's just say it was a car accident. Um, maybe somebody's T-boned right on the right side or something. And so whenever they're going through an intersection, they kind of, they kind of flinch um, because there's this um, this experience that now they're, they're that has been imprinted into them. And so sometimes those responses don't make sense, right? You know, like or thinking about like somebody. A child growing up in an abusive situation, um, maybe there was always something like burnt toast, and so the smell of burnt toast is associated with with anger or getting beat up. Or but th- that's not uh, something that's conscious in their mind. So right, so now they're an adult and they somebody burns toast and they just start crying or you know, and it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to us. And so I think it's, um as there, you know, there is a book, it's called The Body Keeps the Score, yeah. um, and, yeah. it, and it just talks about like, our, our, our bodies, like, here's the thing is, we, we can't talk ourselves out of an experience, and so we experience something, but then you try to like, rationally talk ourselves out of it, or people try to talk other people out of it, and we, we try to make some sense of something that doesn't yeah. make sense, um, versus tell, tell me more, or we say somebody's overreacting, without investigating more i just decided yeah. that you're overreacting
0: yeah your response doesn't
1: <laughs> make sense mm-hmm. instead of saying like what what happened like you're being affected and it seems like your anger or whatever this response is
0: um yeah that could be just be a really big red flag like mm-hmm. i think that that's where you might say oh man there's a red flag here this doesn't make any sense like this response yes. is so much over and above what it should have been given whatever right. happened the comment the, yeah. the sound that went off the the smell that just hit like why are you what is going on it, it could be just a red flag to say hey this person my friend here might need some help or like i, I wonder if there's something else going on
1: instead of giving them a judgment or an assessment yeah, and, and that was like bad because that's just going to add to it versus Tell me more, help me understand. I'd love to, to, to walk through this. I, I think I'm, and my starting point is I think I'm missing something. And often what happens is, is people who have experienced trauma, especially abuse, what, it's not just the experience, but, but a, a false narrative um, or lie has been spoken into them. Maybe it is about their worth and their value or that they're dumb. Or they don't know and so they they actually end up questioning themselves or it could be about God. I was talking to a lady who who said she she grew up in an abusive situation and people as an adult people told her God was with you <laughs> trying to help her and comfort her. But you know what they actually told her was like what good is it if God was with me and he didn't do anything. So yeah. now I serve a God that was actually complicit in the abuse
0: didn't you didn't care he, he
1: didn't care great he oh. was with me he didn't he didn't stop it he didn't intervene he didn't protect and so now she's living out of this this narrative and so she's become this um like i need to help and speak and and which is yes which is true speak on behalf and help protect others but it, it's it's i don't believe god will and so she doesn't need judgment she doesn't need she needs compassion she needs somebody to sit and walk with her and be like um because it is true god was with her but but people just left it there and they didn't so i actually ended up confusing her and now she's living out of this false narrative Hmm. Um, what
0: would you say to somebody like that so like if somebody says that if someone says um i just if god loved me he would not have even let that happen like he's okay so god's with me but what does that mean what would you how would you help somebody that's in that situation
1: yeah i think the temptation is is to give um Doctrine and, and knowledge um, right here. You just need so, more understanding yeah. of who God Romans, is.
0: Hey, Romans, you know, 828. Um, let's just make sure we hit that again. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> Right. Let's, let's take this one verse out of, out of its context. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, for sure. But let, let's use it to help you understand. And then what functionally can happen is they just, they start feeling worse and start like, once again, I feel like my faith is being indicted. Um, versus asking questions and like, like with this particular person, it was really interesting. I, out of the blue, she's like, I hate the book of Job. Mm. I hate Job. I was like, oh, like, tell me more about that. It's like, all this horrible stuff happened to Job. And at the end, God just got to be like, well, I'm God, so don't question me. Mm. God is God, don't, don't question me. And you know, and so again, the temptation is to be like, oh, well, you're misunderstanding. Like, let me actually, you know, and, and instead of being like, Let you know what. Let's go and let's ask. Hmm. Let's let's pray. But God, where were you? Um, It it feels like you really have abandoned. Like, and and I get to have the opportunity to give voice. Um, It feels helpless, right? Because
0: yeah,
1: let's leave room for the the spirit to work. But I think it's not going to be a conversation that gets tied up in a bow in one one sitting.
0: Yeah, and I feel like
1: sometimes we feel like we have to like. I have to correct this thinking right now. And versus being like, tell me, tell me more. Let's walk through that. Like, and sometimes even having done answer, like, that's interesting. Tell me if he was with you, where would he have been? Like, what was he doing? Um, right. Like mm-hmm. let, let's talk through this. I don't have to fix your thinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I,
1: I think it's hard um, though.
0: <laughs> it's, it's really hard. And those are really hard questions. Yeah. Um you know, because, because sin is, man, sin is just grievous and um, it just destroys everything. I I think, well, a couple, I just have a couple thoughts. Um, there. Yeah. I mean, that, that question question stuff. We just talked, we're just talking through Esther this past, yeah. this past, we just started Esther. And um, one of the things we talked about on Sunday was in in Esther chapters one and two um, you have the king who's living a lavish lifestyle. He's abusive to yeah. the queen. He doesn't, you know, um, they're anti-Semitic. They don't like the Jewish people. <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff going on there. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's, but he's being, but he looks like he's bl- the blessed person because yeah. he's got everything he needs. Yeah. So like, this is great. And you could ask, why is that the case? Why is God allowed yeah. that? Um, you get to Mordecai and Esther and they're just, they were taken. It says they were carried away from Jerusalem. They were carried away from their homeland. The Babylonians carried them away. And then Esther gets carried away into the harem. And, you know, she's obviously in a, in a sexually vulnerable, vulnerable position. She's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's, that is happening. You could ask Lord, why, why one, why is the pagan King being blessed and why are your people being oppressed? Um, and even, and I asked the question, why? Why is it that, um, you know, th- th- this is this is all ending up with saving the Israelites, right? Saving the mm-hmm. Jewish people. The whole book of Esther, it's about saving them. But he wouldn't have even had to do that if he if he didn't allow them to be taken from Jerusalem right. in the first place. Like, right. so you could why ask the question, why?
1: There.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, why did you even let them go? You wouldn't even need to do all this <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? It's a lot of white yeah. questions. And we said, um, asking why asking god why is an act of faith not unbelief like yeah. that idea of asking the question god why are you why are you allowing this to happen is actually an act of me believing that god yeah. knows yeah. and i'm trying to ask him the, to answer that question so what you just said in terms of that person asking about job it's great because at
1: least they're saying i they're this asking. doesn't make any sense Yeah. Uh, Saying, I don't understand and I don't get it. And this is the way that I'm thinking and help, I don't, I don't know. And let's engage with God. We have a God that hears and a God that speaks and we have the spirit in us. And, um, and I love the book of Esther because it's interesting. God isn't isn't mentioned one time in Esther. Yeah, not one time. And yet we see his, his fingerprint and his orchestration throughout like you see like oh, the, the coincidence
0: like yeah it's all right? the like, coincidental things huh oh mordecai yeah. just happens to be at the gate when they're talking yeah. about the plot yeah. for the king yeah, yeah.
1: and the, the king just happens to read the chronicles of of this in event the, right in like, the
0: middle of the night because he happens to night. not be able to sleep <laughs> like, the night before they're going to kill all the jewish <laughs> yeah. <people>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right
1: yeah right. like i'll just you know and i i'm thinking about job though and in the beginning it just is like a helping perspective the Job's helpers, um, a couple of things. One, they saw him from afar and they saw his suffering and they saw how bad it was. And they sat and they wept with him for seven days and seven nights Mm -hmm. and and nobody spoke because they saw how deep his suffering was. And just that we can affirm the goodness there that, that there was like, weep with those who weep. And sometimes the weeping is the thing that, that brings comfort. There's not, there's not even any words that can do justice to the situation. Um, but they, yeah. the friends get this bad rap because, you know, and I, I'm thinking in Job 5.27, they, they say, we got together, we examined it. This is right, so apply it to your life.
0: Hmm.
1: And, and really, they were they were wrong.
0: Yeah, wasn't <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it
1: wasn't <laughs> yeah. helpful. It wasn't helpful. At the end, God was like, maybe ask Job to pray for you, right? Like, ask the one yeah. that has suffered to pray for you. And I, I think, like, we, it, it's just a reminder, like, for me to hold my assessments and what I think is right and wrong loosely and mm-hmm. and go to god and be like god what do you have to say like what yeah. what i i'm gonna assume that i'm missing something because i'm not all knowing and there's mm-hmm. there's things that you're saying and doing and i want to be slow to say apply this to your life because um yeah. i i don't know um i i would rather let's talk through it and pray on it
0: yeah absolutely
1: that's great um, So
0: that's all yeah that's really good i i think um you know, I, I don't know I I haven't thought this one the whole way through. So if this is wrong, everybody, you're just, I'm just giving this as a <laughs> caveat. But I think God cares. He cares equally about our moment by moment existence. He cares about that exactly the same way as he cares about our ten years from now. However, the ten year plan sometimes is to get to the 10 year plan, the moments, moment by moment, as we walk through it, could be painful and harmful and hurtful. Um, not because he's calling us to that, but there's an allowance. So like if, even if you think about the Babylonian captivity, you're like, well, there's how many years, when I mean, they went through the Babylonian kings, yeah. the Persian takeover from you know Cyrus to Darius, to the kings there, to even get to Xerxes, before he before he enacted anything with Esther. Like there was, Esther didn't have for a long time. Jesus, there was nothing between, for 400 years between the last prophet and the coming yes. of Christ to where yeah. like our country, our country is only 250 years old.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so how, how long ago does 1776 feel? You're like, that, I mean, it, it feels like forever ago. There is not, I don't know. I can't even relate to that. And yet the prophets was 400 years, 150 years longer than when our country was founded. And, if I'm doing my math correctly, maybe mm-hmm. it's is that is that sound right? I think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, years. I think it's I think it's I think, it's, I think it's right. So, but the 400 years, I mean, just think about that. At what point do people say God forgot about me? Yeah. Like, wh- how? Which generation goes? God is. Yeah. There's not God is not, but there's a but there is an overarching plan, not for the, the lives of people. They are for the lives of people, but yeah. it's for the human history it's for the church it's for the people of god it's for his children it's to recognize at the perfect proper time he will act mightily to do certain things specifically he hasn't forgotten about the people in year 200 that he hasn't spoken through a prophet at all he's with them but there is a larger story arc that he is constantly working in and that can be hard for us to understand i might Things that I'm going through today, or last year, or two years ago, or five years ago, or people that have gone through it, were you know dealing with abuse as a child or something like that. That are just just struggling with life. God was with them in that, and He's working purposes in that, and He's on the move in those things. Um, it is I mean, it is painful, um, but the but there's not but and there's something that He's accomplishing. 20 yeah. from 20 years ago today in me that um, maybe my trust is deeper. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just wrestling through Job right now because yeah. I just need to understand yeah. who God is. Yeah. There's a sweetness to that. I think that we just, it's hard to understand. We need to grasp. I'm just, I've been wrestling through that yeah. just like, man, how does, how do I think about moments and years Yeah, and God's actions, activities in
1: both. And his timing, like he doesn't live on the, the timeline. Like we live on it. And, you know, I even think about Job. Like, there's like 30 plus chapters of of them just wrestling and talking, right? Like, yeah. like that's that's there it is, right? We're talking. They were having a conversation about God and what God is doing, and yeah. trying to understand it. And then, um, but even that, that 400 years where were, it was silence. Um, what's fascinating is, well, I think in the waiting, waiting is spiritual because it reveals the. Um, the affections of our hearts and and the things vying for the affections of our hearts. But in the 400 years, the, the gospels start with the genealogy. So all this time it's, it's, they've been talking about it Yeah. because now they, right. (laughs) Like, like they've been, they've been keeping track for They're still waiting for the Messiah.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. For sure. Right.
1: And so, and so here's 400 years where like, yeah, like you start with the genealogy and, Mm. and, 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 and it's here, it's finally come.
0: Yeah, God's plans are found in specifics. His, yes. his march plans, like, because those are specific things. Carrying through that genealogy from Judah, all yes. the way through, is yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: for 400 years, they they still knew about Judah, right? And
0: then yeah, there's <laughs> there's a there's a Messiah coming. I think. I, I just yeah. man, it would have been so hard. I mean, how many generations do you go through in 400 years? I mean. Okay five, I mean, four or five, I'm assuming that's uh, somewhere around, I mean, more, I don't know, but you're, you're yeah. going through a bunch of them to where at some point there's been no prophet. God has not spoken. Um, when he's been sp- speaking forever, you know, I mean like to the people, um, I just, I get, you know, I get those things are fascinating to me because it just helps you try to reveal who God is. I was just reading through Genesis um, 48, well, no, I was actually earlier than that, but all the way to the life of Joseph. And I think it's in chapter, I think it's in chapter 46. I could be wrong. I think it's, there's 50 chapters in in, in um, Genesis. I think it's chapter 46, which I think is one of the uh, most astounding chapters in the Bible when Joseph tells his brothers who have seriously wronged him, like threw him into a pit, we're going to kill him, sold him into the Egyptians for slavery, And we find out later that he pleaded with them. They heard him pleading with them to not do it. Please stop doing this. And they did it anyway. And then he's in prison and all this bad stuff happens to him. And yet when they come to him, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Like, you need to, I don't want you to be concerned about this because you did not send me to Egypt. God sent me to Egypt. Um, God, God did this. He prepared a place and he prepared a way. Now, 15 years in his 15th year in prison on a Tuesday morning at 8am when he's got to do it over again, he's fighting for, he had to have fought for faith because he is getting to the place where he's like, there's got to be a, what is going on here? And he sees God's hand in it. It's an astounding chapter of the Bible because it is, by by the
1: time he, by the time he, he sees what God is doing. Like, how much waiting did he have to do? Like, even from from the dreams that he had when he was like what seventeen to like when yeah. they came to actually came to fruition yeah. um, was however many years. But even waiting in prison, where you have the um the the two pe- people, the the baker and the cupbearer. bearer, yeah, and they leave and he gets forgotten. But it, forgotten it, again, it's yeah, yeah, forgotten again. And it's, it's interesting because God, um. God blessed everything that he did. So that meant that means he was doing something.
0: Right. Right. Like yes. he wasn't just
1: sitting in prison. Like he was obviously doing something that God could bless in prison right. where he became like the, the head of the, the prison. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's interesting, like when we think of scripture just in the divine author, through the human authors, right? What what is it? Have sixty plus books written over fifteen hundred years with mm-hmm. sixty six yeah, with over 40 plus authors and it's telling the same cohesive story. And yep. and that's just it's, it blows your mind. And I even think yeah. about Joseph in prison. It's interesting that who's with him was a cupbearer and a baker. And it just brings us to the it's echoes of the, the, the sacrament, right? Like the bread and the wine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um and then you have three days and you know, yeah. it's just there's certainly like this is this is a foreshadow of what's to come but like how could that that author know the cross
0: yeah
1: right and and you're just like whoa like god is just doing so much more than we can even grasp and um and we're not gonna know the full story right like we're just kind of um our finite minds i don't think
0: no we can't grasp it whenever we see
1: something new we're like you know (laughs) this.
0: Yeah, um, that's good. I, yeah, there's a book called Echoes of Exodus. I don't know if you've read that book. Yes, um, yeah, you recommended
1: it to me and I read it. It's, it's, it's so good.
0: I, I just, yeah, I feel like you read, you read Joseph and, you know, Joseph really is a, there's an Exodus story there in some ways. Um, there's an Exodus story all the way throughout the Old Testament. That idea of, you know, Moses preparing the way and giving it over to Joshua and Elisha. Elijah giving the, preparing the way for Elisha and the, like so many things that just continually point to, even with the judges and all of like the scriptures, it points to, and, and the gospel itself is an Exodus story. Um, The cross, Jesus, John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus and how that, you know, you know, he goes in the wilderness, Jesus goes in the wilderness for 40 days to be there's just so many things there that just point to a cohesive story that i just think is amazing and it's just it causes you know it causes you to want to dig back into the scriptures because i think it helps us to understand who god is and to press in can
1: so, you imagine if we tried to do that today like
0: oh, they, uh, let's try no to way. have
1: 40 authors write the same story you know different aspects of the same story um, yeah
0: not gonna work yeah like it, would, <laughs> yeah. it just yeah. wouldn't
1: happen like it wouldn't it, yeah, it makes. Yeah, we really do see God's hand and sovereignty in it. Yeah, for sure. Even, even you know, I'm thinking like Genesis two talks about the tree of life, In Revelation twenty two we have the tree yeah. of life again, and and this book end kind of that's just interesting. That's yeah, just yeah, right? like,
0: we're back in the garden. Well, the well Genesis, yeah, you know, in the Gen- yeah, Genesis is made. you are in the garden in the beginning, and the whole Bible story arc is to get the people of God back into the garden. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's it's, yeah, from they were removed from the garden because of sin and God's been working for thousands of years, however long we're going to be until we're back in the garden with him. I mean that, that whole last chapter of the tree of life and we're like, we are, that is, that's the story of the Bible from garden to garden. Yes. From, yeah. Perfect communion yeah. with God, the perfect communion with God, and we take this trajectory, this Jacob-like trajectory of leaving yeah. the promised land, going through all of our stuff where we connive, we do all the things we're going to do. We don't like we run away from God. God, God finds us. He, we wrestle with Him. He hurts our hips so we can't do anything. Yeah, we trust Him. We right. give ourselves <laughs> over to Him, and we come. Out, we bring you know Joseph, Jacob comes back into the promised land of Canaan, and. That's that's our story. Like that's our story of as Christians, a people that that needed to be caught by God, wrestled to the ground, changed in a moment, so that we can find ourselves back in communion with Him. You know, I, I just think that that we got to get that. We have to understand that it's, it's the it's the beauty it, it's of crazy. it's the beauty of the scriptures. The
1: whole end game is that He dwells with His people again, and, he, yeah. and He's even telling us along the way. You like look at the tabernacles the garden, right. And the, the, Holy of Holies, the outer part, the Holy of Holies. Right. And mm-hmm. then he's like, this yep. is where we're going and bringing you back. But how many years, right. From garden to garden.
0: Yeah. A lot, a lot of years, yeah. a lot of yeah. years, a lot of heartache, a lot of difficulty trials forced, you know, forced to trust him. I remember Charles Spurgeon one time said, um, you know, I've, I've learned, um, there's a few things that I've learned about God from the good times in life, but the things that I've learned through my hardships and struggles and trials um, are incalculable. Like I can't, Uh I can't tell you how much I've, I've learned to trust the Lord and learn about his character in all the difficulties because it causes me to, to, I just depend upon him. I need him in those moments. And he proved himself faithful over and over again. And I think we, you know, as we think about just life being hard and, and like, we're talking about trauma, forgiveness, dealing with our anger, just frustration, relational strife, all of that. Um, even you know, worse things, cancer diagnoses, um, you know, the world that we live in, all of the sin that happens, racism, abortion, all of that stuff that we might personally come into contact with and grieve over we look at that and I think it causes us, it should cause us to either say I'm done with the Lord, which I think, you know, the parable of the sower would say some will do that or to say, I I need you more than ever. And I think that that is, I mean, God wants us there. I need you and I'm going to trust you in it. So I think that's all, I think that's all really good. Um,
1: And I think for me, it produces a longing. Like I long for, right. Like, ah. One day there will be no more tears, and one day every nation, tribe, and tongue, right? Like yeah. racism will be, uh, there will be no more, right? There like, will be no
0: more abortion. Yeah. Will be no more. I mean, yes. all of the Injustice, things that we
1: oppression,
0: yes, sickness, all of it. I
1: long for that day. He will make everything right. Um, yeah,
0: everything will be made new. There will be no more tears. Yeah. It's the hope of it's the hope of the end of Revelation, which is Jesus wins. Tears will yeah. be no more. So anybody that's listening that is weeping in tears over sin, mm-hmm. trials, suffering, there is a day you may not experience it on earth because some some trauma you're while you're here, you will never fully get over. Um, yeah. and, and that and that's a reality that's not meant to be a depressing thought, but you're gonna deal we're going some of us are gonna deal with stuff the rest of our lives but there will be a day when we see Jesus where yeah. there will be no more tears. There won't need to be any more tears because he is that perfect and he makes everything right. And he makes everything new. Like, so you think about justice, there is yeah. no more perfect justice than in the presence of God. There is, you will yeah. not find it anywhere. And so, um, you know, I just think that's, that's a hope that we have. And that's not a pithy hope. It's not like a, Oh, trust Jesus. Cause one day, you know, like what we talked about at the beginning, yes. like,
1: right. Right.
0: like, Oh, God's got you. um, Or, or, you know, praying for you, that's enough or whatever. I, you know, however you think about that stuff there, that is one of the reasons that's in the Bible because it causes us to say these pulses, these light momentary afflictions produce for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we will never look back at this life and say, it wasn't worth trusting Jesus when we see him face to face, everything that we go through, it will say, I understand more now why I went through what I did and it taught me about you. And I yeah. can, and I trusted you and here I am. And you know, everything I went through was worth it because I am, I'm in your presence and that's enough. I think that that's, there's something there that we need to hold on to and grasp. So.
1: Yeah, this is, is helpful Vicky. Cool.
0: Yes, it gives yeah. us hope, proven hope, proven hope that yeah. will not disappoint us and we can trust And not
1: that. hope to minimize pain or experience. Yeah,
0: um, right. But,
1: but true hope that, that really does comfort and create a longing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really helpful. This is great. I could talk to you for a long time. I, I mean, you're on this, this is your second time and we're, we'll are have you on again. guest. I'm
1: probably getting the hang of this being a guest <laughs> thing. It's really fun. <laughs>
0: i know it sounds like you're guest on another podcast too so yes. Um, yes. but we'll we'll help we'll help it um next time we talk i know both of us bought darby strickland's book is yes. Abuse: a biblical a guide to identifying baby. domestic abuse and helping victims i haven't read it yet either of you so we'll we'll read yeah. it and the next time we talk we'll talk about that book i heard it's a life changer or, i mean a game changer in terms of um christian counseling and how to th- she's part of ccef which if you're not familiar it's the um Center for Christian Education, no. Christian, Christian uh, Counseling Education Christian Foundation. Counseling Education Foundation. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, biblically based, but but this book is going to help us, I think. So we'll talk about that next time we get here. Um, thanks for jumping on with us again.
1: Thanks,
0: Jason. Hopefully this is encouraging everybody. Thank you guys for jumping, uh, jumping on with us. Thanks for spending some time with us. Looking forward to next time on Outside Our Walls. Have a really good day, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Later.